All right, Hothcast listeners, here we are, episode 103, still holding strong on skipping episode 100, <laughs> but nevertheless, we move forward. Doom bit. Doom doom It's June 9th, that's a Thursday for those of you keeping score at home, and we're rolling right along, and I gotta say I feel good to be here <laughs> because it almost didn't happen. I don't know if I'm a uh, spoiler alert, but um, I spent the weekend in Nebraska playing a little golf, you know, that's that's how that goes. Sometimes you, sometimes you gotta take the weekend and, and just uh, have fun, and so I had a couple buddies who um who are going back to our hometown to play in this uh golf scramble. Now, some of you may or may not know, Nick Hoff uh, used to be a decent golfer. I was on the golf team in high school and uh I used to be able to stroke it a little bit. And um and now not so much. Now it's eh, the wheels have fallen off. And uh but I still have fun playing and anytime I can do it I want to um but I never get the chance out in Los Angeles because <laughs> convincing uh, the old ball and chain that I need to go out and hit a ball that's not chained. Well, she says, I, uh, how long is that going to take? I don't know, five, six hours? Yeah, don't think you're going. <laughs> so uh, I don't get the opportunity to play a lot here. Got lots else to do, but got to get the weekend away and uh flew in the mother-in-law to help uh offset some of the uh <laughs> the anger that would be directed toward me for leaving for the weekend for something like that um so flew her in thinking oh that'll that'll help that'll that'll uh take a little bit of the pressure off me for leaving and I uh, got to go back played in the golf tournament and the team was playing okay on Saturday two-day tournament uh four-man scramble and um and we played okay on Saturday when in fact we're in our division we're in the lead going into Sunday feeling pretty good all we got to do is keep it going keep uh keep the momentum and then uh Sunday comes and <laughs> it's not good it's uh our our best player uh showed up a little hungover and uh and so he was not uh not nearly what he was on Saturday and the rest of us still couldn't play and, <laughs> and so it, 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 we started giving a lot of strokes back uh, so much so that one of our players uh, after 13 holes like you know what i'm going to go home <laughs> we're all kind of like wait what you're abandoning us he's like what what is this us what is this we you know we're not we're not even close and uh so he took off and then all hell broke loose and we oof it wasn't good but oh part of it was because we had a rain delay and i was furious not because of the rain delay but because of this ass clown from uh by the way <laughs> I've told I told this story to everybody. Okay, here we go. Here it is. Um this unfunny lack 
of a sense of humor, like maybe the most humorless person I've ever come across in my entire life was there helping run the tournament. And I don't know who he was, so I'm not going to, I can't even say his name if I wanted to, but, uh, we're sitting there and we see storm clouds rolling in. And so in golf, like if there's lightning around, they say, Hey, maybe we shouldn't be swinging metal clubs around. Uh, let's pull them off the, pull them off the course for a little bit. And we all kind of knew this might happen. We had already played nine holes and now we're about to make the back nine turn and they blow the horn. They go, Hey guys, uh, we got lightning in the air. So we're going to, we're going to hold off a beat and see if this thing passes. And and we're just getting ready to tee off a 10. So this one guy from the tournament comes over and he goes, hey, guys, yeah, sorry. I know it's disappointing, uh, but we just we just don't want anybody to get hurt. OK, perfectly fine comment, you know, and, and we get it. Um, he goes, you know, we just don't want anybody to get hurt. And I looked at him. and I go, well, maybe some of the leaders. And he goes and he didn't register that I'm making a joke at all. And he just goes, no. No, we we don't want anybody hurt. And I kind of like paused and looked at him like, "Are you serious right now, dude? Like you didn't you didn't catch that that could be a humorous remark?" But he's just looking at me and I'm looking at him and I go, "Well, can you at least re- leave Ryan Weber out there? That's a guy that we all went to high school that everybody at the golf course knows cuz he's out there all the time." And I go, "Can you, can you at least leave Ryan Weber out there?" And um and he goes, I've known Ryan a lot of years, and I would just hate to have something happen to him. And right now, me and my three playing partners are just all looking at each other like, what in the hell is wrong with this dude? And I think even one of the players from our team, which I didn't think needed to be said, but whatever, like hopefully to wake this guy up out of his coma that he's in, this humorless coma. And one of our players goes, ah, he's a comedian. And, And he goes, I still, I that 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 would just be terrible if something happened to Ryan, and I'm like, oh! And right then, nothing had angered me more. Like, I I realized that's an innocent-ish thing to have happen. Like, okay, so this guy doesn't realize that I'm joking, or he is incapable of seeing a joke when it when he's he's like the kind of guy that would be at a comedy club, comedian would say something and go, well, I don't know if that's like statistically accurate I, i'm not sure if all women do that and then you'd be like just shut up and go for the run like he'd be there watching a watching a uh, a superhero movie watching superman he's like ah uh, you know the, he's got to be careful when he's flying like shouldn't he have a helmet on or something like that's this guy and nothing pissed me off more than just a humorless person like that is you might as well just go ahead and throw yourself right into a wall if this is the human being you're going to be like what a turd and seriously on a golf course like aren't golfs and jokes kind of go hand in hand isn't that something that would like come on are you really letting these jokes bounce off you and listen i'll admit they weren't the funniest jokes in the world but they also weren't bad They also weren't bad. Like we're talking about like someone so involved in (laughs) pretending to be so uh, clung to winning this golf tournament that he's (laughs) willing to sacrifice human beings just for his tiny selfish gain. Maybe win a couple hundred bucks. Like, come on. Come on, dude. Wake up. Smell the funny. Get it together. 
but no, he's got nothing. And I think more than anything, that may have pissed me off <laughs> enough to uh, distract me. And then during the weather delay, I think I told no fewer than 1,700 people that that guy has no sense of humor. <laughs> like, I was very vindictive about it. I was seeking out everybody I knew to be like, by the way, in case you see this humorless turd walking around, go ahead and spit on him for me. Because that is just a lack of a human being. That's just a person that I and I will remember his face. This is these are the by the way these are the uh, these are the what do you call it? Not vin, vindictive. What do you call it? A vendetta. These are the only vendettas that I maintain. Is when is when somebody's just an absolute turd of a human being, and <laughs> and this one happens to be because they have zero sense of humor. Anyway, we played the rest of the way, and uh, we did not win did not win but we had fun and then i uh i traveled to uh lincoln where uh larry the cable guy had his annual get her done golf classic where he flies in celebrities from all corners of the earth and uh to play in this golf tournament and uh a lot of times i get to play not as a celebrity um you know and not even as a future celebrity <laughs> like that's the way i look at it it's like guys listen you don't know who i am yet but in a couple of years, you're going to be like, hey, isn't that the guy that didn't play well on our team? <laughs> um, uh, but I usually get to play in this like scrub leftover group, uh, you know, just as buddies that uh, don't have a home. And and so I, I went there to hang out and play in that. And um, and he goes, hey, what instead of playing this year, let's because uh, he had to like fill in a couple guys teams. Uh, so all of a sudden the scrubs were out there. And uh, so he goes, come, come to hole four with me and, and hit some balls. And so, cause he always hangs out on hole four. He doesn't play in the tournament. He hangs out on one of the par threes and just hits a shot for each team. So they can either play their balls or his ball that he hits. And he has fun. He socializes with everybody, gets to see everybody. So that was cool. Got to hang out on four. And after about five groups had gone through, he goes, you know what we should do? Because he had one of his other buddies there and his son was there. He goes, and what his other buddy, by the way, is professional golfer on the Corn Ferry Tour, which is just one step below the PGA Tour. Like, this guy can stripe it. And, uh, and so he was hanging out there as well. And he goes, okay, here's what we're going to do from now on. Uh, we're going to pick, each one of us is going to have a number, one through four. So it was, it was uh, Larry, uh, myself, and Brandon Crick, who's the tour pro, and then his son, who ne- <laughs> never plays golf. And so you guys, everybody's going to get a number one through four. And then when the group comes up, they'll pick a number one through four. And whoever they pick, that's the person that's going to hit the shot. And so we did that, and that was kind of fun because it's high high risk, high reward, right? Like uh, if you get uh, Crick, all of a sudden now you've got a shot very close to the pin, most likely. If you get Larry, he's decent. You know, you got like a 50-50 chance of being on the, on the green. You get me, and all of a sudden it goes down to like a one in four. And uh, if you get uh, if you get his son, Wyatt, it's, you, you're not getting on the green. <laughs> you're probably not getting over the water. Um, so it was kind of fun, and I got to hit a couple shots like that. And one of them, one of them, I like uh, sculled down into the reeds. And then the next one, I hit. I stuck it like maybe eight feet from the hole. And so that team, nobody else hit it that closer than that. So they ended up using that one in birdie. Uh, but it's funny because I hit that one, 
and and Larry had let people know like what's going on. You know, one of us is a, two of us are comedians. One of us is a tour pro, and one of them you know has swung two golf clubs in his life. And so I hit that shot, and one of the <laughs> one of the celebrities, uh, Kevin Sorbo, you you know who I'm talking about, shirtless guy from Conan, not Conan O'Brien as uh, <laughs> he's known in the comedy world, but like Conan the Barbarian, like that uh, show from the '90s. Um, Kevin Sorbo, you know who he is. Google him. Uh, he comes up to me and he's talking to me after that shot. And then he goes, you, what, what do you do? And expecting me, <laughs> I, I later found out, I go, oh, I'm a comedian. I open up for Dan Larry on the road. And he, he goes, oh, I thought, I thought there was a tour pro up here hitting and I saw you, I saw you hit. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, thank you very much. Had you seen my previous shot, you'd know that I was not the tour pro. And uh, <laughs> that was a lucky shot. Um, but it's pretty funny that he thought I was the guy. By the way, most of the time they still gave uh, the, the tour pro a chance to hit just to, you know, appease people. Because that's the fun thing. Watching these guys that can really stripe the ball, hit it. And watching him up there, he's just got the most effortless swing just so smooth so pure and i i mean nine out of ten times he's within 10 feet of this hole and real i realize this is a shorter part three like he's good this is what he does and he's so confident up there to do it like he knew this is what is going to happen i'm going to hit it up there close to the pin Whereas when I was up there, I was like, oh, this is going to be embarrassing. <laughs> Most likely this is going to hurt my feelings and um, and go for it. But uh, that was fun hanging out up there. I got to see all the guys. And um, and one of my favorite comedians who I never have met in, in person until now, uh, Gary Valentine. Super funny comedian. Um, he's, you know, it's unfortunate that he's, I guess, fortunate or unfortunate. I don't know how he looks at it. Like he is so funny in his own right. In fact, I knew of him before I knew of his brother, who's, uh, Kevin James, because I had seen his comedy central special presents and I didn't, he was just Gary Valentine. I didn't know he's Kevin James's brother. And I don't even think I knew Kevin. I don't King of Queens. I don't think was even out yet. So, uh, I knew of him first and I just, I remember this funny joke um where he pretends to be a spider on the wall and so you know during this uh comedy special on tv he's got his back to the camera and his back to the audience he's just got his hands up you know like he's like he's hanging on a wall and he's just kind of sitting there and he just goes what's day wednesday huh (laughs) and then he'd pause for a bit and they just yeah wish i could whistle just these mundane things. He's like, what does what goes through a spider's mind when he's just sitting there on the wall? Because you see him sitting there, and they just sit there for minutes at a time, not moving at all. Like, what the hell are they thinking? Is just the funniest joke. And I, and so I got to meet him. He's hysterical dude. Like when they were announcing the winners of the tournament, his team didn't even come close. And he yet when they announced the winner, he went up and he did an acceptance speech. And and so funny, dude so funny so i was happy i got to meet him um and then and then here you go hurrying back hurrying back so monday night i have to get in a car and drive to the airport flying out at eight o'clock and i'm uh i'm getting there and i park the car and then all of a sudden i get the text message flights delayed like oh no 
And you always know it's bad when it's the smallest delay possible. Like, if they delay it like an hour, you go, okay, they know what's up and they're being honest. When they delay it like this one, I think they delayed it 17 minutes. And you go, you are so full of rat bastard ass. Like, there's no way that this thing is only going to be delayed 17 minutes. You are slow playing whatever the hell this delay is going to be. By the way, to preface this, uh, my buddy who was supposed to fly out in the afternoon, his flight had already been canceled, and then he had to drive to Denver rather than go out of Omaha. So they've already been canceling flights. I know that there's weather. This plane's coming from Vegas. I know that there's weather uh, over the Rockies. And I'm going, you bastards. Are There's no way this is 17 minutes. So right away, I'm texting uh, my, my brother and sister-in-law who live there in Omaha. I'm like, hey... Like, I don't know, but, like, can you can you save a spot for me in the house, like, in case this goes south? Because I got a bad feeling about this, and I get there, and I look up at the board, and you just see it's littered with cancellations and delays. You know, this, this is not good. By the way, you already hear about all the flights that are being canceled across, like, and just today, Southwest, which is what I was flying, just announced that they canceled 20,000 flights over the summer. Now, I don't know how many flights they have per day, but 20,000 over the course of a summer, over a three-month period, that's a chunk of flights. Um, so I, I know this isn't good, and I get up there, and I see the 17-minute delay. I'm like, yeah, right. And uh, then it's getting closer and closer to the time uh, for our original flight. And I look out. The plane's not even there. 17 minutes? We don't have a plane here yet? Shut up. Like, just give it to us. I- I'm a big boy. Let me know. We got an hour and a half delay. I got that, okay? And by the way, if you tell me that, maybe I can go have dinner or something. Maybe I can go grab a drink. Like, just give me the God's honest truth, you turds. Um, but anyway, I sat there, and I'm tired, and I'm I'm still sunburned, and uh, still sunburned like I had mentioned it before. At any rate, um, delayed a couple more times, another, another like 20 minutes. Oh, now, now another half hour. And by the way, I have to connect in Vegas, and it's a late night flight. I'm like, now all of a sudden my hour and a half layover is gone, gone. What I'm gonna get there, and I'm gonna be stuck in Las Vegas for the night because this is probably the last flight out. I'm supposed to land at like 12:05. There aren't a lot of flights after that, even though Vegas is right there, and Los Angeles to Vegas probably has 700,000 uh, flights. I know. This is probably not going to end well for old Nick Hoff. And and we finally get to board on the plane. And I'm like, okay, sit to the front. Sit to the front, okay? That way we can run to the gate. We're only going to have a few minutes. We can sit to the front. But it's also late. I'm tired. And uh, and I got to have my window seat. And that way, with Southwest, the way it works is you board by the that lottery of can you check in fast enough? You know, everybody's like hitting refresh on their on their browser trying to check in right away. And uh, I get it. I get the A group, which is usually great. Uh, but now I'm I'm boarding the plane, and people are taking windows. And right there in the first couple rows, the, there's windows available. And I I start to go in. I'm like, hey, can I get, get in here? And they go both times. This the first time this older lady and she's like, I'm actually saving these for the two nice gals that helped me out today, and I'm just like, eh, this is not really how it works. Like I didn't say this, 
I did say I'm too nice a guy to let this happen, even though this is at my detriment. This is possibly going to cost me getting on the next flight because now I got to move further rows back, which probably for every row is that you are back is another minute of deplaning. Like for every six people that got to get off, that probably takes close to a minute. So now I'm like going back. And yes, Hoff, could you have sat middle? Yes, I could have sat middle somewhere, but I refuse. I refuse to sit middle. I'm not gonna. Like, I'm not gonna sit in between two gigantic people. Just to, <laughs> you know, I, I've got my. I've got my lines, and this is where my line was. And so I'm not gonna sit in the middle of these people. Uh, but I move back. I finally. By the way, there was another lady who was saving seats for her family. Yeah. Okay. Not a big fan. Why are you guys not all boarding together? But whatever. Um, you know, if you got a family, like, didn't you all check in at the same? How is this working? Like, what what's going on? Not supposed to save seats. The point is that you're not supposed to save seats on Southwest, okay? There's a there's a system, and you got to follow the rules of the system, okay? If you want to save seats, go to the back of the airplane and save them there. Like, don't save these upfront seats, okay? Um, so, anyway, I finally find it about halfway back. So, if you're looking at it, I'm row, let's say, 20. So, I'm looking at an extra 20 minutes, give or take, of deep plane time. Now, now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe that's a little more. Let's say 30 seconds per row. But that's still an extra 10 minutes of deep plane time that I'm, I'm allotting for in something that I have, like, seconds to accomplish getting to the next plane. And so I, I sit down, and as people are boarding, I, I start to feel like, oh, God, I shouldn't have done this. And so I'm like, I got to move up. I got to move. I can't take a window. I, it's more important that I get out of here. And so I'm moving up. I'm, like, swimming up against people, and I've got to move my bag with me, the bag that I put in the overhead. Now I'm, like, shifting the bag slightly forward, slightly forward, slightly forward in the overhead compartment, trying to make sure I still have room for it, but also finding a seat as far forward as I can. So I end up moving about another eight rows up. So now maybe I'm row 12 and, and fight. And it's a, it's an aisle seat. And I hear the guy over the thing announce, Hey, completely full flight. So when you get there you make sure you get a seat and put it in over overhead. And once we're out of storage, then we got to check the bag. And I know that if I check the bag, it's over for me because it's never going to make that connection. So I got to make sure it's there. I get to row 12. I go, okay, the 12's got to do. Okay. That's six minutes of deep plane time. That, but, but there's nothing else up there except for a one more middle seat, and I, and it was in between two gigantic people. Like it looked like a six-inch window <laughs> in that middle seat, and I was like, "There's no way that I'm going to be sandwiched in between these two hog mollies." So uh, I finally say, "Okay, here's where I am," and I can see the bag up there that's still saving seats for her friends that helped her today. Like, shut up. Um, and so I sit down, we're waiting on the tarmac forever. I'm like, come on, guys. Finally, we take off, and I look, and I'm like, yeah, you have, you have, like, I think we're going to land with five minutes to spare. Five minutes before takeoff, by the way. So they close the gate. They close the door, like, ten minutes before takeoff. So I, I'm screwed. I know it. Um, we fly. I'm stressed, but I try and sleep in the aisle. I can't do it. Um and we land. We hit turbulence. Lots of turbulence, by the way. They and they said it's going to be a long turbulent flight because we got to get around the weather. We land safely, which is the most important thing. Thank you, Southwest. But still, um, and then we now they don't have a uh, they don't have a gate for us. Sorry, guys. We got to sit here for a minute. Well, you know, wait for them to push back. Like you, 
everybody knew we were coming. How is it that you have the technology to make sure all these planes in the sky, which, by the way, if you look at an app and look at all the planes that are in the sky at any given moment, it's insane that they can manage all that and all their altitude and, and their destination and their routes and stuff. They can figure all that out, but you can't figure out that we got this plane coming in. It's going to land in three hours. We've got to have an open gate for them so people can get the hell off of it and make their connections. Like, are you serious right now? How do... How do uh, airports not just have, like, an, a handful of extra, like, deplaning terminals? Like, how is that not something that they have? So we land. We sit there now for 20 minutes, and I know it's over. I, there's no way I'm going to make it. You know, the plane, it's already after takeoff. So I'm kind of dejected. I'm like, okay, I don't know if I can get another flight back. Maybe they'll pay for my rental car. Um, maybe if I make a big enough stink, they'll pay for a rental car for me. But then that's a four and a half hour drive. I'm tired. Like, is it worth it? Should I just stay here for the night? And, uh, as I'm standing up to get my bag, uh, the gal over the intercom says, and for those of you that are connecting on flight 1193 to Los Angeles, they are holding the plane. So get out and make a left. It's five doors down. And I'm like, oh, Oh, thank you, Southwest. Thank you for holding it. Meanwhile, everybody else that was trying to connect is like, what about what about San Jose? Did they say anything about San Jose? Nada. Uh, so I, I get off. I run down there. They're like, are you from Denver? Are you coming from Omaha? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, get on. Hurry, hurry, hurry. So I get on. Make the flight. Now I don't even care that I'm I'm uh, an aisle seat. I don't care. Let's thank God. I'm getting back. It all worked out. Made it back home, you know, about about a half hour after I was scheduled to, but happy, happy to be home and make it. So I, you know, I got my gripes with Southwest, but at the end of the day, I got here. I'm safe. I'm alive. So that was all right. Get back to Los Angeles and <laughs> we are back facing the crazy neighbor. A little bit. And I'm going to hush my voice a little bit just to make sure that there's no seepage through the wall. Uh, but our uh, our uh, little um, our little uh, guest in the uh, next uh, unit has lost her mind again. I don't know if she's off her meds or what the hell's going on, but she's losing it. And I, I don't know if some of you recall a couple of years ago. Not probably, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. It's hard to determine now with uh, with the pause of the world through COVID. But um, we used to ha have all these little spats with her. She just can't take the noise. And with three kids in here, you know, eventually one of them is going to run across the room. And that's unacceptable to uh, certain old bags that live <laughs> mere, a mere feet from my front steps. Um and uh, so back in the day, she used to play loud music or what she perceived was loud. In reality, it sounded like an iPad turned all the way up <laughs> and she would play rock music, which is something that I'm into. I, I like I like listening to Bon Jovi if you want to if you want to blast it. So and coming through the wall, we barely hear it. But I knew what she was trying to do because never in the history of living next to her did she ever um you know, listen to music. And so we knew it was retaliation. She'd slam her door and then do that. Now, the music has not come back, but she's back into slamming the door, uh, which I find sort of annoying and hilarious at the same time 
to let me know that my kid uh, running across the room is unacceptable, so she's going to, like a child, slam the door. And then, uh, let's see if I can find this here. And then uh, she sent, I, I think she could hear me kind of like make a loud comment, like, is that her again? And um, and so uh, she sent an email. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, here it is. <laughs> this lady is a real, real just waste of space. Um, so she wrote uh, her title of the email is there is no negotiating on harassing me. And then in it, it's just two lines. And it's sent to both my wife and I. And it said, the lesson is to teach your runner child respect. And respect is in all caps. The lesson is to teach a runner child respect, something his parents cannot set an example. First of all, uh, the grammar's a little weak there. And uh, secondly, um, it is the little girl, not the little boy, as she wrongly assumes. And, uh, and also, kiss my ass. How about that? How about I'm going to let my kid be a kid? And as long as what they're doing is not outrageous and, and you know, it's all hours of the night, which it isn't. I think this was like at 12 noon. Then you can go ahead and curl up in a corner somewhere where you won't bother anybody. I really don't care. And she's lost her mind. She slammed her door like several times. And I'm like, and it just makes me laugh. And I'm just like, oh, what a sad, pathetic existence that you live, that this is like at the crux of what you've got going on over there. Like find a hobby for the love of God. Find a a lonely hobby because nobody will ever want to spend time with you, you old hag. Like go bird watching. That seems like a loner activity. Go bird watching because I don't want to hear it. And this just, oh, I feel bad for her, kind of. I feel I feel bad that this is the corner that she's painted herself into where she has no friends and no family. And so her only way of getting anything is to, you know, try and get a rise out of people. That's so sad. Like, it's basically the opposite of what I've dedicated my life to in trying to bring people happiness. And she just exists to make people miserable. And so we got that going on. So the summer tour can't come soon enough uh, (laughs) where we'll get out of there and she'll be able to. And this always happens, too, by the way, when we're gone for a long period of time. Uh, which we always go on the road together every summer. We're gone for a couple of months. We'll come back. She'll immediately know when we're back, and she'll lose her mind immediately because uh, she's been living in her little uh, in her little cavern of solace for two months, and now all of a sudden there's a there's a cricket. We must let the universe know that we are upset about the cricket, and she will she will go crazy. So that's so that's happening. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what uh, it could be pills. It could be an issue with she just can't get uh, her prescription refilled to level out her brain waves. Or it could be that, um, see, because Sarah and I help her. When she's not losing her mind, we help her from time to time. Like she always asks if I'll help her carry up her uh, heavy groceries or carry out her laundry for her. She puts them in these trash bags, and then she, you know, she'll ask me to help them down to her car or back up from her car. And I'm happy to do that. Okay, she's a little older, and uh, and she claims that she's disabled. You know, come on, 
take an extra trip. You can carry it yourself. Like, how are you existing when you when I don't help you? Uh, but whatever. Okay, fine. I'll help you, and I do. And I've helped her with other things. I've helped her. Um, I've helped her like replace batteries in her uh, in her smoke alarm. I've you know helped her with little things in her house. Um, and I'm happy to do that for the most part. The other day, she showed me that uh, her toilet was having a problem, and it's it's this simple part that takes only about twenty to thirty minutes to fix. Um, and I, I've done it for my own toilet. I did it for this really old gal here in our complex. But it's not my favorite thing in the world to do. Okay, it, and I and this is what I said to her. She goes, "Well, could could you do that? I'd rather pay you than a plumber." And I'm like, you know. I could do it, and I told her I could do it. I've done it before. It's not really on my, you know, it's not the first thing I want to do, messing with it, and it's not so much that it's like the time or or the effort. It's like I'm dealing with someone else's toilet. Like, that's a little gross. I don't like dealing with my own toilet, and that's and that's mine and my family's. I've wiped all of those butts. Well, I haven't wiped my wife's butt, but I've wiped my butt and my kids' butts. Like, I still don't like messing with the toilet. It's a little gross. Now you're asking me to mess with another person's toilet. It's not really, like, what are you going in? You're going to save 50 bucks to, to not call in a handyman? Like, yeah, I'd rather not. I'd rather not, and I told her that, and she seemed saddle with that. Plus, by the way, here's the other thing is if I fix it and then something goes wrong, now I'm on the hook. Now, you you broke this or there's something wrong, can you I mean anything with the toilet goes wrong and it's going to be on me. So I I didn't want that responsibility. I didn't want that looming over my head like anything goes wrong with their toilet now and I'm the guy because I was the guy in there messing with it. Um and so I was like, you know what, just and, and then it was like the very next day she started slamming her door. So I don't know if it's like she's pissed that I refused to uh, to fix her toilet or what. But at any rate, she's uh, she's off the deep end again, which is kind of fun over here. And uh, but we'll be we'll be on the road here in just a few weeks because summer is coming. I feel like that's the that's the threat, by the way, for. Uh, for for parents of kids that are school age you know uh, game of thrones is always the threat of winter is coming winter is coming and now it's like your kids are going to be home all day every day summer is coming feels like a t-shirt if anybody wants to <laughs> mock up a, a design of that t-shirt summer is coming just parents like hiding behind their their fence in the backyard with kids playing in the fence <laughs> you know in the yard next door or something that'd be kind of funny um but we'll be on the road. Got lots of tour dates, and uh, and we'll be out there. Uh, I'll pull some of these up right here. Um, if if you're in any of these areas, or you know some people in these areas, let them know. Oh, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and Omaha, Nebraska. I'll be opening up for my buddy Ryan Sickler, who's got a very funny podcast called The Honeydew. Uh, some of you might recall when I was a guest on his Crab Feast podcast, which is a very popular podcast. I'm going to do that uh, June 24th and 25th, two shows each night, and I'm just opening the show, so I'll open up with like 20, 25 minutes, and then Ryan will come out and close them, two-man show, but those will be fun. If you're in those areas, you want to come check it out, see what I got that's new. That's going to be a good opportunity for that. Then uh, July 1st, circle this on the calendar if you're in central Nebraska at North Platte, at the Fox Theater, July 1st, kickoff, um, 
kick off the 4th of July weekend right with a little bit of comedy. It's a cool theater. Uh, we've got to get some people in there, so let everybody and their dog know. Uh, then July 7th through the 9th, I'm at the Caravan Comedy Club in Louisville, Kentucky. Happy to be back there. Uh, continue to uh, enjoy going back. To- I like Louisville. I like that area. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of history, a lot of cool things to see. So I'll be back there. Um, then August 5th, I'll have other shows sprinkled in through there. I've got some shows in Indiana and Michigan that are almost locked in. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Then I'm going to be in Sioux Falls, South Dakota in August at Boss Comedy Club. Then, um, with a cable guy at the Beaver Dam Amphitheater in Beaver Dam, Kentucky. Don't think I've ever been to Beaver Dam, Kentucky, but sounds like an all right place. Uh, oh, could be a good place to do my, uh, beaver in your coffee mate joke. If you haven't, if you haven't heard that one, uh, subscribe to my YouTube because that's going to be on the old special uh, coming out in July. Uh, album release date is August 12th for uh, Nick Hoff. Front to Back is the name of the album. Uh, that's going to be August 12th. And the special, which is slightly different from the album, will come out in July on my YouTube channel. Sub- subscribe to that right now. Hit the little bell so you get all the notifications. Got to build that YouTube uh, subscriber base to over 1,000 before this thing comes out. So uh, any way you can help me with that, please do it. Uh, August 19th, Shoshone uh, Benat Casino in Fort Hall, Idaho. Then October 9th, if you're in Spokane, Washington, uh, tickets will be available soon. Uh, got to sell that thing out, okay? Uh, I've been building there in Spokane, and I got a lot of cool people that like to come out to shows. So make sure you do that. Lots of dates being added. Uh, thank you for listening to the Hoffcast, and I'll keep you posted on all things comedy and all things going on in the, in the humorous land of Nick Hoff. And, uh, and ooh, it's going to be fun when, once we start touring. Maybe I'll have some, uh, some cool guests on the podcast. Maybe get that 100th episode out there. We'll see. I don't know. Could happen this year. <laughs> don't hold your breath. And don't forget. Don't forget. Doom, doom, bip. We're all doom, doom, bipping. Doom, doom, bippity, doom.